Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been thinking a lot about the finitude of the planet, especially regarding the powers and principalities. And a lot of my thinking has come in response to reading a book by J.R. Woodward called The Scandal of Leadership, Unmasking the Powers of Domination in the Church. And in this book, Woodward does a great job of presenting a theology of the powers and principalities, looking at Walter Wink and Marva Don and William Stringfellow and, um, and some others. And but one of the things he comes to is the conclusion that the powers and principalities are somehow going to be redeemed, that they can be redeemed. And he uses Colossians chapter one, where he talks about Jesus's ministry of reconciliation. That's beginning, uh, well, earlier in, in Colossians one, you know, we have the statement about how Jesus, uh, you know, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so Woodward rightly shows how um, the church is a power and um, all institutions are. And they're not, they're not bad. They're originally created good by Jesus, they're by, created by him and for him. Um, as are all structures, you know, the possibility of creating any kind of organization is, is because they are part of the, the creation that God has, has given. You know, the invisible creation, the non-human and non-sentient being creation. So the possibility of, of establishing, a, say, a charity or a nonprofit corporation or a denomination or a brand or, or just anything is because of these... Um, powers and principalities, you know, and there's all this language of arche, you know, ruler, uh, exousia, authority, um, dunamis, power, and so many other words. And uh, so anyway, um, they were created by Christ and for Christ. And, um, and so then Jesus has described how in, um, in Colossians 1, 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of to dwell in him and through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on heaven or, um, or things on earth or things in heaven. Um, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil, evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Okay, so Jesus is um, going to reconcile all things to himself. And Woodward argues that all things include um you know, these things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And so this, um, this belief that the powers can be reformed is, um, is a thread that we see in William Stringfellow's, uh, but actually much more in Walter Wink in his trilogy, in his book, Engaging the Powers. And, um, and so it, it, 
you know, it mo mobilizes lots of us to want to fight for social justice, for peacemaking transformation, because of the real possibility of, of us succeeding, I guess, at reforming things. And so, you know, just the abolition of slavery and William Wilberforce and, and what happened, you know, in England um, back in the day, uh, that would be considered an example of, you know, a reformation, successful reformation. And, and really that belief that we can succeed is what underlies uh, sort of a positive, hope-filled notion of democratic change, that if we educate people and we, we educate the electorate and the electorate is able to make uh, wise, informed choices, then we can elect people into positions of power that will, you know, will actually do good. And, and I, I guess I do believe that there is truth to that. However, I think in the West, well, especially America and the UK, I think there's a, I think there's a naivete about really the possibility of, of reforming the powers. And, and I think um, it's interesting that this text in Colossians is pointed out as a proof text for the possibility of us actually succeeding at bringing about transformation. Um, whereas 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is completely ignored. And I saw almost no, I saw no reference to it at all. And uh, I just want to read that text, beginning in verse 26. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he, that is Jesus, has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. Um, so anyway, um, all things are going to be in subjection. And... Um, and actually, prior to that, we have the list of all these things in uh, using all the language of the powers. So, you know, so Jesus um, is described uh, as at Christ's coming, then comes the end uh, after Jesus has returned. When he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet. Okay, and then it says the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Okay, so to me, this looks like really that the powers and principalities get the death penalty. And um, if Jesus is including them in things that are going to be reconciled, in the all things that are reconciled to him, that reconciliation is somehow um, on the other side of their destruction you know, assuming they're included. Um, and so, um, so I think this text is one of the texts, you know, Colossians, the Colossians text is a text that is used to deny the finitude of the planet because if all things are going to be reconciled, then they won't be destroyed. Okay. Whereas um, all over the place in the Bible, we have the apocalyptic tradition that talks about, you know, the finitude of the creation. And I think that the finitude of the creation is what I, um, I, a lot of people find, you know, just very troubling, just, just to think that, you know, that the world is going to pass away. Um, you know, recently, last year, I was asked to give a talk for a um, development agency, international development agency, and about the kingdom of God. And I had a whole section of my talk about the finitude of the world. 
and that caused them to sort of back away from using my talk in the way that they'd originally planned to use it because they felt that that was demobilizing uh, some of the climate change activists in in that were faith-based climate um, change activists because if if the earth is finite, if the earth is going to be destroyed, um, which science, I mean, actually describes the eventual destruction of the, of the earth, um, you know, just because of it's maybe moving too close to the sun or, or whatever. Um, but anyway, the, you know, my argument that, that the earth is finite, just like we as humans are finite, um, caused them to back away from using my talk. And, um, and yet I find that, um, troublesome on several fronts. Um, if the world is not, um, is, is, is not finite, if it, if somehow this planet is, um, you know, is, is eternal or is, is indestructible, then, um, in many ways, um, that would cause us to not take climate change as seriously as we need to, because if there is a real threat, of life on earth um, ending, you know, I mean, already we see the extinction, uh, the permanent extinction of so many species. I mean, daily there are species that are going extinct. So already life is ending permanently for certain species, right? But if we posit the, you know, the presupposition, the, 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 the assumption, I guess, that, the, that this earth will not be destroyed or will not uh, pass away, okay, then I think that would keep us from actually taking um, uh, the, taking stock of how urgent it is that we actually prevent the demise of our planet now, because we're moving so quickly, you know, towards, um, you know, towards, uh, you know, the, the, the heating up of our planet, which is just wreaking havoc on our world. Okay, so describing something as finite shouldn't demobilize us from trying to preserve it. And I realize some people say, okay, well, all of this world is going to pass away. So we shouldn't even bother trying to preserve anything because, you know, Jesus is going to return. He's going to make all things new. Um, that's certainly not what I'm arguing for. I, I believe that, um, that just like myself, someone who has been diagnosed with, um, lymphoma, okay. Cancer like five years ago. Um, I'm not going to look at myself or say to myself, okay, look, eventually you're going to die. Um, maybe it'll be of this cancer, but if not, it'll be of something else. So, you know, don't even bother. Why bother, you know, like taking the clinical trial drug that was offered uh, to me or, or why bother exercising and trying to be healthy? Because um, what's the point of preserving my life if I'm, if I'm going to die in the end? I think the logic of saying that, okay, the earth is finite, so that, that, that would demobilize us from actually trying to preserve it is a logic that just doesn't hold true to, um, you know, to who we are as people. We're about trying to preserve life and trying to stay alive as long as we can, because we're here on the planet for a purpose. And, and we're here um, and our lives have meaning and we want to hang around and be with each other. We love each other. We don't want to die early. I don't want to die early. I want to, I want to be around to see my kids grow up and them have uh, children. I want to, I want to meet my grandchildren. I want, I want to be able to do as much as I feel called to do in my lifetime while, while I'm alive and not end my life early. 
and I want to be about preserving as many lives as I can all around me, you know, which is why we're going out on the streets all the time trying to help people that are addicts so that they don't die of fentanyl overdose. But, um, but anyway, let's just look a little bit now at the other danger of denying the finitude of the planet. Um, you know, we've been looking at um, what's going on in Ukraine with Russia. And, you know, last year, there was a lot of saber rattling that was quite ups upsetting. You know, I was really bothered by uh, what Putin was saying and just to talk about nuclear war and using nuclear weapons. And that brought up a lot of trauma for me because I grew up in the, you know, in the 60s and, and 70s when, um, you know, during the Cold War, when there was, um, I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis and when nuclear warheads were aimed at us from Cuba. And, um, and I grew up with drills, um, you know, which uh, would have been useless to hide under desks if there was a nuclear holocaust or whatever. But, you know, the, the tremendous and destructive power of nuclear weapons um, is, um, is a menace and it threatens to destroy life on Earth. It could, it could potentially destroy life on Earth as we know it um, if there was a nuclear winter. And so, but if I because of my theology that uh, believe that Jesus is going to reconcile everything. And that is on, uh, and that's on this side of death or this side of uh, even, or on the other side of death, but, but doesn't include the destruction of the planet. Like, like if, if I assume that Colossians is saying that Jesus is reconciling of all things to himself can't happen. Um, even in um, the aftermath of, of say, you know, the cremation of beloved people that I love? Um, or should that include the planet being annihilated by getting too close to the sun or so much life on earth being destroyed by a nuclear holocaust or, or by another pandemic or by just global warming? Then, um, then why would I take seriously the threat of nuclear war to the point that I'd, I'd be an activist fighting to, uh, you know, to, for peace and, you know, arguing um, and educating people about the, the importance of, of really seeking a peaceful solution in uh, Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia, you know, rather than just escalating the war, pretending like actually the Ukraine can win and we can humiliate Putin. You know, I mean, we need to be people that are agents of peace, trying to do everything we can to keep our nation from escalating um, conflict situations, um, you know, against Russia or China or North Korea or whoever. Okay. And, um, and the real threat of, of there being um, actually the real possibility of nuclear war should cause us to be even more urgently fighting it rather than just saying, oh, well, Jesus is going to reconcile all things to himself. So it can't happen. So um, I just want to look a little bit more at that question of the finitude of our world. Okay, like I um, have been, Gracie and I, we founded Tierra Nueva, which means new earth. And this um, new earth was started based on Isaiah chapter 65. It was a woman in our ministry, her suggestion when she saw her husband's fields uh, producing 10 times better yields of corn and beans than they had before because of all the composting he was doing and how he was planning to the curve of the land. 
And she said, we should call this ministry Tierra Nueva, New Earth, you know, where we have, um, okay, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. For behold, I create, or literally in Hebrew, it could be translated, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. Anyway, it goes on um, and talks about things that actually can be achieved in this world, like there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. So death is part of this scene here because people are going to live out their days, which means they're going to die. For the youth will die at the age of 101. That who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. Okay, so this is talking about a new heaven and a new earth that isn't really talking about eternal life. But then, as we move further into it, we see that, um, that it seems to include more than that. Like verse 25, the wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food and there will, they will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So it seems like both the possible in this world and the impossible in this world come together in Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. Okay, um, so then it looks like if death is going to be defeated, if death is going to be destroyed, then that means that our current ecosystems as they function will not be functional because they depend upon death, death and decay, you know, predator-prey relationships, you know, are at the heart of, of all ecosystems. And so if we're going to come to a place where there's no predation, where lion, lions are sitting around with lambs and then we're talking about a different order of life, okay, a different realm, and that's not going to be in this world. If death is not our friend, death is the enemy, the last enemy to be destroyed, then the new heaven and the new earth are not going to include death. And in fact, that's exactly how Revelation describes the new heaven and the new earth, you know, it's coming down from heaven. And uh, all tears will be wiped away from everyone's faces, right? We have this incredible picture of the new heavens and the new earth, which um, I'm just going to read uh, some of this, you know, from um, Revelation chapter 21. Um, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Okay, wow. that See, that is in keeping right there with a tradition that we have throughout the Bible about, um, I'm just going to read a few texts that um, I think need to be taken super seriously. They're in scripture. And so if we're going to just deny them and say, well, the planet is going to be here forever and ever and ever. And um, actually, I think that the, that the, even the idea of the planet being destroyed, like, like say it just is annihilated, right? It runs into the sun and it burns up. Okay. How is it any more of a miracle for that planet to be brought back into existence by the creator God than it would be for someone who's cremated, whose ashes have been spread out in the Pacific Ocean or something, to come together in the resurrection of the, of the physical resurrection of a body? 
I think I think both um, in both cases we need there to be a creator who who can who can make all things new and pull together the old. And I believe that scripture shows a continuity between the old and the new. And so the new is not going to is not going to be uh, completely disconnected from the old. Just like Jesus's earthly body was had nail prints in it, holes in his hands and in his side, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be. Um, maybe like a resurrected uh, version uh, uh, that is imperishable of, of what exists now. And, um, and so anyway, let's look at a few texts. Isaiah 51, 6. Lift up your eyes to the sky and then look to the heaven beneath, for the sky will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die in like manner. Okay, so look at that. That's the finitude of the earth. But my salvation... He says, the writer of Isaiah, will be forever and my righteousness will not wane. Isaiah 34, 4. And all the hosts of heaven will wear away and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All the hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And um, so anyway, I, I think that... Um, these are just some of many scriptures like that. And um, I want to look now at just uh, where I've ended up with Revelation chapter 21. So in verse 2, uh, John, who has this vision, says, I saw, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And then verse 5, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And um, to me, that is, that's just so hopeful. You know, um, I mean, I've lost both my parents in the last two years, and I certainly want to see them, and I want to be able to recognize them. And I believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 makes it really clear that, you know, that we will, um, you know, we will be able to, to see or recognize in some way um, people and maybe animals and as well and other creatures um you know like i i'm just going to read from isaiah first corinthians chapter 1 15 first corinthians 15 39 all flesh is not the same flesh but there's one flesh of men another flesh of beasts another flesh of birds another fish there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another there's one glory of the sun another of the moon and he goes on, then verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. Okay, body. It is shown perishable. It is raised an imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Okay, so that's a body. Praise be to God. Okay, it's, it's something that uh, gives us hope that we're going to recognize one another and and there's going to be continuity between the old and the new. But 
what's natural is going to move into a new space of being spiritual. And spiritual doesn't mean non-physical. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual one. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last became a living, life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthly. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthly, so also are, are those who are earthly. And as is the heavenly, so are all of those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And then he says in verse 15, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this more perishable will have put on imperishable, the imperishable and the mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law of the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, so the finitude of the planet, that it, that the perishable will um, will be will be will perish and the imperishable is eternal. That doesn't make our work for climate change, uh, composting our, uh, you know, our, our waste and, and rebuilding the land and pushing for sustainable futures. And, you know, we want to try to, to help the world's poor, um, you know, through looking at sustainable solutions. You know, we want to uh, be about enhancing life so that human beings on the planet can live out their days. We have work to do, which is the work of the kingdom. And the work of the kingdom is not just about surviving and people living long lives and being healthy. That's, that's just so that we can do the work of announcing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven and proclaiming the gospel and, and carrying out exactly what Jesus says when he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to practice everything that I have commanded you. Um, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our mandate, and that's why we're, we're here, and that's why we need to be alive, and we need the planet to be a healthy place. So we want to slow down the process of death and decay, and of global warming, and everything like that, and of the escalation of wars. We want to be peacemakers and we want to be about um, enhancing life so that we can do the work that we're called to do as long as we possibly can do it. So I want to read one more text, which I think is a critical one. And um, 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 3, this is the another one about the new heaven and the new earth. 
Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Some people say, well, look, you know, when God destroyed, is described as destroying the earth with a flood, then he sent the rainbow and he said, he made a covenant that he would never again destroy the earth with water, okay, is what he said. Some people would say, well, that he would never again destroy the earth, but that's not what that's not what it, Jesus, or that's not what God says in that text in Genesis. There are many scriptures that talk about the day of the earth, the day of the Lord being a, a time like this. So once again, the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up, including the principalities and powers. Every every organized organization, every Nation state, the USA, the UK, France, Russia, you know, every country, every brand, every power and principality will be destroyed, according to 1 Corinthians 15, um, along with the natural world. And why is that such a huge threat? Well, I mean, I think one reason that people balk at this is because I think there's a there's an idolatry of the material world that is so deep in us that the idea of we can, we can maybe accept our own death and destruction to the point where we would even be, a, be in favor of cremation, which, I mean, I struggle with that for myself. I'd rather be buried. For sure, I want to be buried rather than cremated. Cremation somehow seems so much more final than just being put in a grave, even though both are pretty final. Um, and we are dependent upon Jesus to raise us up in both cases, obviously. But... Um, but anyway, um, you know, to to somehow think that that, that this is this is not going to perish is, I think, a, being in a state of denial. Um, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, Paul Peter writes, "What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness?" If everything we're doing for our organizations is marked by finitude, okay, and is not going to be uh, of eternal significance, you know, there are some people that have a whole theology of work, which is um, based in this idea that somehow um, there's going to be continuity between this world and the next, which there will be, but that doesn't mean that everything that I'm doing for a particular brand is uh, that the fruit is going to be lasting fruit. And say I'm working for some corporation or whatever. There's there's fruit that's gonna that's gonna be destroyed and fruit that's gonna remain. And and there's a lot about that in the Bible, which we can look at at a different time. But um, according to this text from Peter, um, if the earth and its works will be burned up um, and it's gonna be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What? I mean, I think that we need to be about the serious, the most serious things that are our mandate and the call and that are all based on the, the earthly teachings of Jesus and how he went about his life in the three years that he ministered. That should be our, you know, our, what we're about. Um, so verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will be will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens 
and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Okay? I love that. So, you know, we need we, we need to prolong history through being good stewards of the world and of the organizations that we're part of and of our bodies and of our resources and everything so that we can, um, you know, that we can, we can be faithful all the way to the end. And that's, uh, that's something I just invite you to continue to reflect on. And I'd love to hear from any of you if you have any further thoughts about this.